Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello everyone, welcome to Let's Drone Out, episode 354, no subtitle available, as per yet. We're joined today by Stephen, over here. Hello. Cole, down there. Howdy. And me, I'm Carrie Kitten. Um, if you're wondering where Jack is, Jack had to go and have some surgery, scheduled surgery. He's doing okay in, in terms that he's like, you know, alive and stuff and talking. Hopefully, he'll be back soon maybe not next week but hopefully the week after tony is uh, is away but um on interesting news he went to see fossil stuff hq today so hopefully next week he might bring back some gossip and gubbins and stuff about what's going on so that'd be fun uh, i wanted to start off this week if i may with um a video that win davis has posted onto um Facebook for us. Let me post this. Is this the one that everyone should take a deep, calming breath before watching? Or 10. I've just. Yeah. I think, yeah, you might need to. It's about. uh, It's called Arrested for a Drone That Wasn't Flying, which is. uh, I'll I'll describe it to you because we are an audio podcast at the end of the day. This guy is in a sort of a city centre and he's walking around with a Mavic controller with his phone in it, looking at his drone footage. And someone comes up to him and says, oh, you need to get the drone out of the sky. He's like, I'm not flying the drone. Wanders off. And then the police come and, come and ask him the same sort of question. The problem is with this guy, now he wasn't flying at the time, quite why he decided to have his controller out and his phone in it to look at his footage is another question. But yeah. I've got to say, I've watched a video through and I wanted to take my truncheon out and beat him to death because he was so obnoxious and rude all he had to say to the police is, I'm not flying. Look, it's in my bag. I'm just this this is old footage from my phone. I don't I don't quite know the guy's problem. But essentially he was so narky and um annoying to the police that they arrested him for all all manner of things, including uh not giving his details. They were talking about breach of the the, the peace. Breach and of all peace, sorts. Yeah, yeah. And they was I mean he was he had a Mavic Mini, and he was flying it earlier, and he seems to think he's exempt from any law because it's under 250 grams. Thus, he should be able to fly over buildings without a spotter and stuff and just do what he likes. Well, I, yeah, and I, you know, I did watch that as well, and I saw that, I, I guess it was based in Preston, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I'm not sure if, uh, like, I'm, I'm not aware of what the regulations are out there because obviously I'm in Canada, but... Um, he was going on about how something around the along the lines of oh it's sub two fifty and there's no you know re- regulations here as of now but you know I, who knows well right? the lack of training for the police unfortunately they they do suffer a bit because training 
police to accurately be able to recite <laughs> CAA regulation isn't top of the priorities. You know, people are getting stuff stolen and being stabbed. And yeah, uh, that's slightly more important that they get the paperwork right for that than being able to recite exactly what the weight limit is on a drone and how far away you're allowed to fly it and in which areas you can fly it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Preston city limits don't have a special jurisdiction that allows a different set of aviation law to take effect. Maybe it's the case. I don't live in Preston. If you're all up there, I don't know, jumping off buildings in wingsuits and doing God knows what, landing helicopters in your front garden is wonderful. <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. So I, I think it was an interesting video, but I think I think he got arrested for for basically not giving his details. As far as I can tell, if you're a suspect of a crime, then you are required to give your details and refusing to give your details, you can be arrested for it. And that's that's what he actually got arrested for. I would have arrested him just for being a massive knob and being annoying. Yeah. Right? But I don't think that's an offence that will you can actually do anything well, with. Well, yeah. Luckily, he was up there. If, I think if he was down London Way, he might have accidentally fallen down a flight of stairs with help from the Met. So, uh, <laughs> so. could have gone But, you know, I... I think a lot of us sometimes get worried about like, oh, you know, am I going to be okay? I'm flying without a spotter in a field six kilometres away from anybody. Um, I, I wouldn't worry. We've got people like this flying around cities and, and calling. The the only redeeming factor I, I found in this video is he kept calling the police both Muppets and Joeys. And I haven't Muppets heard the term Joey for about 30 years. And <laughs> I think a lot of people will be too young to even remember it? what that means. You're too young, Stephen. You wouldn't remember. Evidently. I, Lay it I, on me. It it refers it's it's very it's a very bad thing. It refers to a disabled person that was once featured on Blue Peter, UK oh. um, a, a UK uh, children's TV program, and then it spread around schools basically that if you didn't like something, you say you're a Joey, because mm. um, that's what children do. But it's not politically correct now. But uh, I think it shows the guy's age. But that well, was so- uh, that was interesting. Like sure. my, my my sort of take on it was because I, I do watch a fair amount of videos, whether it's, you know, Canada or U.S. based where, you know, you see these guys that are getting arrested or no, not necessarily even arrested, but, you know, they're pointing cameras at police or they're, you know, they're kind of like baiting police in a way. But then they say, oh, give us your ID. And they say, well, I'm, I'm not required to give you my ID. And it's basically just a pissing match of like mm-hmm. who knows the law better. And I mean at the end of the day, I feel like the police are going to probably win over a random guy. And usually in those types of situations, your best bet is to be polite. Uh, you know, follow the instructions as officers are giving you. I mean, I guess I, I can see the argument though, in a way where it's like, Oh, it's sub two fifty, and I wasn't flying and my drone wasn't even in the sky at this moment. So why am I in handcuffs? And, like it's kind of a messy the whole situation seemed quite messy but either way it it could have gone a lot smoother had the guy been a little friendlier maybe i know i just i just i don't understand why someone's first reaction to someone checking with him is anger and aggression and he was really quite um he, he sort of tried to sort of go away and try to sit to on the, the drone and then literally with a drone control in his hand tried to sort of walk away also, you know, this you is a guy who's that's fil- quite he's filming the go whole ahead. thing and i'm slightly suspicious about anyone who goes into a situation with the police and thinks yep right beforehand i'm going to check my iso levels make sure i've got <laughs> enough disk space for this one and off we go 
And uh, you've, well, you've got an agenda if you're doing that. Yeah. And the other thing too is like if he was merely reviewing the footage from his Mavic, does it even need to be connected to his controller to be doing that? No, so, 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 a he was recording. B he probably knew that the police were kind of after him. He had his Mavic controller out, or C or whatever, whatever letter I'm on now. But it's just so many things in a row. It's just kind of like, what are you doing, man? Like. <laughs> If you're going to fly your drone, Clickbait. do it and and do it and put it away and get the heck out of there. Or, or like, I don't know. It's just it's weird. Oh, Wynn's giving us some updates there saying he was flying in an emergency incident area. Ah. So yes, he got I there did. earlier to look at Someone mentioned about a fire. I, I think did notice like, that there was flashing lights. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the emergency services were there. He probably brought it in when they got there. But I, I don't know. It's like... Why do you walk around with your controller? It, it does seem like he's just being a troll, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, come get me. I'm there are better ways to get clickbait video than this. Yeah. This is yeah. not helping anyone at all. I mean, this. Go film the, a cat. There's like <laughs> turning your Mavic on in your house and the police coming and raiding your house. That's that's a bad thing. This, I thought the police were really quite well controlled. I would have had the taser out. <laughs> well, yeah. my, my weird thing was too that I sort of thought about it was. They, they did seem to chuck him in handcuffs relatively quickly. Like, but he was kind of being a bit like belligerent or whatever the term may be. Right. So, but in the end, I think he ended up getting away because the, the constable or the sergeant came over and then they, I, I think at the end he was free to go, but I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sure he would have been a lot sooner if he'd have just opened his bag and said, here's my drone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I don't have to show you my ID. I'm not I showing you anything. you anything. Yeah, it's but, like yeah. And I did check it, and I, I I think I'm right. I'm not an expert on the law, but if if you're a suspect in a crime, which he was, and the police ask you for your details, then you have to give them the details else they can arrest you. So they seemed okay to do it. Yeah, it was. It's, it's one of those things where it's like just. Use your head. Use your head a little more. And if you're in a situation like that, you know, just use a few brain cells to, you know, get through that situation. Uh, that applies to a lot of FPV and general RC situations. Just a bit of consideration. I appreciate that people might not understand what you're doing and give them a bit of leeway and be yep. patient. I, I think but, overall, yeah. just, just be nice and, and friendly. Yeah. Because that that goes a long way. I mean, I couldn't imagine what these guys like if Aki gets his order mixed up in McDonald's or something. Jeez. <laughs> well, happened? see, like I've I mean I've been in situations where I've been flying like not anywhere technically illegal, but maybe trespassing. Um, so like you know I, I did have a security car you know show up and say oh you know what are you up to over here and I said oh you know. I'll be on my way kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was nice about it. I wasn't going to fight it and, you know, nothing happened, not a big deal. But I mean, if it's an emergency situation, you're flying when you're not supposed to be just around don't. it. Just don't. It's, yeah. in the middle, it's in the middle of a city. Just think twice. Like there's no way that that is a legal area to fly. Nowhere in about 500 meters of that should you be flying whatsoever. No. There's an emergency no. going on. You're in the middle of a city. There's people everywhere. There's roads. There's buildings. None of this says safe place to fly. 
I guess a, a lot of I feel like a lot of people would art like I, I guess there's kind of like a divide within the within the community or within the hobby, right? Like some people would say, "Oh, it's only a sub 250. It's a it's a Mavic. It's not going to hurt anybody." Blah 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 blah. But then on the other hand, it's like you know, just use your brain. Like, but you know, it's, I, I saw another clip of a guy who was maidening a quad, and he was maidening it down a residential street. <laughs> and doing aggressive freestyle punch-outs, and one motor failed. Ooh. And it's like, oh, yeah, I had to go and jump over a fence to get it. Oh, that's really annoying. But you're doing punch-outs on, like, a full-weight freestyle build over some someone you live near. <laughs> Could have gone straight through their window. You, you clearly didn't have control. You hadn't tested it properly. Oh, it's really annoying because this happened. That's no, not you're the annoying one. You've just... You could easily have, have wrecked someone's day if if not done some serious damage. It's just putting some brain cells together and people are, oh, but there's nowhere near me I can fly. Well, the answer there is don't fly, right? There's nowhere near you you can get to a safe place that isn't over someone else's property. Then don't fly. Well, see, for me, I live right downtown Toronto. And <clears throat> like I, just, I moved here within the last, uh, within the last you know, six months to a year kind of thing. And uh, people that are from where I used to live, you know, they're always like, oh yeah, send it downtown, send your five inch freestyle uh, quad downtown. Just, just send it, man. Like just do it. It's, you'll be fine. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know about that. Cause a, I don't want to put anybody in danger. I don't want to be, I don't want to put myself in, you know, trouble. And I'm also in the middle of a million flight paths right now. So, you know, it's just, yeah. Maybe if you're going to do low level flying, maybe if they close the streets, maybe if there's some kind of event where the streets are all locked down and you're not going to accidentally scare a driver or something. But yeah, there's almost no situations when that's a good idea. Yeah, I think I yeah. think the majority of people know that a quad at any time can just turn into a brick and drop out the sky. Yeah. Therefore, don't don't be over people. But if you wouldn't no throw bricks in random directions in that area, then don't fly there. Would be a good guideline. Pretty much, if it's yeah. not safe to go and lob bricks around, then it's not safe to go fly your drone around and rip balls. Indeed. Well, I touched on using tasers there, which is oh. an interesting segue into another story which Stephen found. Would you like to? Would you like to talk about it? Well, we, we've got a very, very unusual story here, and and it it's mainly an ethical one. the The ethical question is: Should we electrocute children? Um, there's there's lots of pros and cons for electrocuting children. Uh, I'm not a parent myself, but I understand many of them have wanted to electrocute their children, and that's all fine and well. Like there's plenty of of childhood games that are based around accidental electrocution. That's okay. But here we have an excellent example of a plan to keep children safe, just prevent harm from coming to children by tasering people in the school. Probably not the children. But as the majority of people in the school are children, one has to admit that the odds of tasering a child are pretty high. Nonetheless, this didn't stop Axon, the company who, uh, formerly known as Taser, from trying to launch a Taser drone. And they were initially going to put this out for law enforcement because quite reasonably, if it's dangerous for a police officer to go into a hostile situation, they already use Tasers. Why not just go and tase things? Okay, that's that's maybe if all the people in a building have firearms and they're holed up and you can't get access to them and they're all adults anyway, that 
might be a safe thing to do. But the idea here was to take a taser and fly it around schools in case someone had a gun. And, you know, you might get lucky and taser a criminal. You might taser a child. But, you know, you might get lucky and taser the right person. Uh, and this was the idea that they had, um, an idea which was actually vetoed by the company's internal ethics board as being wow. a ludicrous idea. Um, they only and Just to be it. clear, this is an ethics board of a company that produces tasers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, right. its bar's pretty low. Yeah. So they're like, hey, how can we sell more tasers? Well, we've got to do it the right way by tasering the bad people. And their ethics board is like, this is a terrible idea waiting to happen. You've got a school of maybe several thousand children with a handful of adults in it. And you're going to fly around and be like, yeah, that's a kind of big person. They're probably the one with a gun. Let's tase them. And you hope that, you know, that wasn't a child and they didn't have health problems and you didn't just kill someone's kid by tasering them or tase them and then they fall down a flight of stairs and break their neck or any one of a million fun things that could happen with high voltage and people. Um, so well, yeah, the, the company's have, uh... own ethics board rejected it. And the company then of course did the sensible thing and launched it anyway, because that's what you do when your own internal ethics board says, this is a publicity disaster waiting to happen. You should never do this. So then the company's ethics board, uh, resigned, uh, nine people on the company ethics board resigned <laughs> and they, uh, tried to backpedal like a kind of Indiana Jones hanging off a cliff backpedaling furiously at this point uh it's just it's just an amazing thing that someone somewhere thought this was the way to deal with guns in schools it's to go and fire tasers around the school it's well i'm afraid and maybe in the it's US, because i'm a privileged the answer european to never and, reduce the gun numbers yeah. is it it's always yeah. to do something else good news yeah. as soon as ban could have a copy of it i'll be reviewing it <laughs> oh my around God. my neighborhood finding neighbors to taste I can't believe that. Dogs off the leash. <laughs> What's the emergency? School shootings are a crisis, I agree. But Axon, on its own best timeline, isn't going to come up with anything for a couple of years. Why was it necessary to jump ahead like this? That was the company's own spokesman. And well, they if, were just like, well, any press is good press. <laughs> if, they, if they do, if, I mean, it better have like a 4K FPV stream or at least like a high res so you could actually make out who you're trying to get after and the operator better be good at operating the damn thing because well they're uh, not going to have like evan turner or some guy are they it's just going to be like joe schmo on the controls like bumping <laughs> into walls and trying not to get stuck in on the ceiling he'll just be like glued onto the ceiling i'm sure after the first corridor oh geez yeah i think i think it'd be good if it was completely autonomous and then it would just have to try and determine who it was tasering yeah, we just need AI to determine, oh, that face, that's a bad guy. Put a speaker on it. You have 10 seconds to comply. <laughs> I feel it would be much better if you get one of those Boston Dynamic proper walkie robots because they are frightening just without a gun. They could just splat somebody completely, send them into a hostage situation. It would just be like Robocop coming in, just... Oh, like, no, or even like seemed. one of those robo dogs. Yeah, those robo dogs should just have a taser on it or something. Yeah, yeah, and spots can open doors as well, which is something like it's a bit like we used to like um, 
in Doctor Who. Oh no, Daleks are coming. Quick, go upstairs. They'll never get us there. And it's a bit like, yeah, send the drone in. Oh, hang on, we've come up against the door. What should we do now? I but think we're thinking spot, too small about you can this, get the guys. Thing. Just, just put a large conventional warhead at the centre of every school, and then if there's a <laughs> shooting incident, you don't negotiate with terrorists. Just blow up the school. Just done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would go over too well, but uh, maybe well, I don't know. When was the first school shooting or murder? We should say because it is murder. It's got to be twenty years ago now, hasn't it? It's been in the press. It's been an ever-progressing mm. thing in South Park. Now, if you've ever watched the South Park episode, oh, maybe, I love that, yeah. the shootings are going off non-stop in the schools. They're <laughs> just wandering yeah. through the halls and there's bullets and flying. Not, only one of the parents actually notices that they're happening. Everyone else is just like, yeah, that's normal. It's fine. Yeah, another day in the life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey-ho. Uh, on slightly more positive news, uh, there looks like there's a, a good trend. The Global Freight Index is doing nice things. This is the index that tracks how much it costs stuff from China to reach you in Canada, us in Europe, mainland US. And uh, obviously, a couple of years back, things were going completely down the toilet. Um, it looks like the time for a shipping container to get from China to the US or China to us, roughly the same, pretty much doubled. And now it's coming back down. And as that time is reduced, so is the cost. So we're st we should be seeing faster deliveries and cheaper deliveries and generally easing up of the flow of, of electronics and stuff from China, which is nice to see. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, well, it's been kind of a, you know, a, a SHIT storm for the last however while, right? So... Well, yeah. It fixes the logistics problem. Does it fix all the other electronics chip shortages, which seems to be the problem? Yeah. Tiny Buying graph. Anything at all. That is small. And big and big and big and There's another bigger. trend. Yeah. Huh. I read that was, zombie statistic for starters. It's it was cool. pretty much okay. in, in the toilet through 19 and 20. Uh, I was hanging in actually. And then it kind of shot up here. as uh, down, coming down again. That, that's the cost, by the way. That's the cost index. But the other important one is the actual time taken for things to get from A to B, another tiny graph. And so you can see that the, the time taken has been kind of peaking, going down, peaking, going down. It looks like it's reached this kind of mammoth peak, and it's finally sliding off this peak. Uh, it was normally taking something like 40 weeks or 40 days, I guess this would be, to get from China uh, to the U.S., um, and it hit peaks, peaks of 56 and 67, then it was up to over 80 days. And now we're down in the low 70s. Uh, the current month uh, just passed down to 73 days from a peak of 82 days. So it's it's starting to slide down again, largely do because you, the ports are once again passing traffic and so on. Do, do oh. people find themselves ordering stuff from China that much these days? Or have we sort of transitioned a bit to, uh, I, I kind of know if there's anything local, by local, I mean in the UK, I would rather spend extra to get that now. It used to be the fact that like you could go to Banggood and it was free shipping and it would be much cheaper and it was really worth like a couple of weeks' wait. These days, it's like shipping costs money. It's not necessarily cheaper at all. And, uh, oh, I'll just search for somewhere in the UK to get it. I don't know if that's – what's your experience like in Canada, Cole? Is it getting everything local there or are you still shopping in China? 
for the most part, I've pretty much only ever ordered stuff locally. Uh, I did order like um, a couple things off of um, off Banggood. It was like a certain screen protectors for like the run cam that I couldn't get locally or um, like I've never really bought anything major from uh, like directly from China as much as I can avoid it. I will just cause uh, luckily now where I live in Toronto, I can actually drive for maybe about 20 minutes and go directly to a rotor store, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I there's, um, the last time I saw a physical hobby store in, in the UK, it's like years ago. Now. Mm-hmm. They've all gone. Well, see, we've I got, got a lot of random junk on AliExpress. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've got Rotor Geeks, we've got Rotor Quest, we've got um, uh, Roto Rev. Those are like the three that are basically within the Toronto area. And I mean, if I can either go there or order from them, I'll do it. You know, more so than having to wait a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah. And the prices seem so, to be, you know, relatively fine. Like, and I don't have to worry about imports or anything. So, yeah, the mm. prices are okay. The thing that's really annoying me is, I see something released and then I can't buy it for six weeks or something afterwards. Like, so oh, there's a new motor size that's come out. That'd be handy. I'll get that. Oh, there's a new flight controller that's come out. Oh, I'll get that. Or oh, there's some new gimbals that are coming out. I'll get that. And it's like. Okay, now I wait. All the reviewers have them, so they're clearly out there. And then it's six weeks, a month and a half later, and then, it, then yeah. you get them. Yeah, it used to be that you you'd see the reviews come out like on a Wednesday, and you could order them on a Friday. Not so much anymore. Huh. Yeah, I wanted to build a little silly two S drone. This is a uh, one of a little two inch that's modelled after a a big drone, um, sub two fifty gram FPV. Thank you very much. Lovely little frame. But I wanted the flight controller for this. It's taken something like over two months to get this flight controller, an all-in-one board with Express LRS and uh, 2S AIO. It's been available for ages. It's part of the Mobula 6, but dead slow, really dead slow. So it looks like uh, Drone Drone Droid said SN Hobbies in Vancouver has the best price in Canada. I've never actually heard of SN Hobbies before, so... Thank you for that. I will definitely uh, put that on the check or on the note list yeah. there. While we're talking about China, I actually had this order open in Banggood, and I left it from April until about last week, and then I cancelled it, and uh, I bought it from a UK place. It was actually five pounds cheaper to buy in the UK than it was from Banggood, which is a reversal huh. of what we come to expect. Well, the only the only exception here is Caroline's bought a new Talon Rebel. Ordered from Banggood, which looks a lot like I've just looked it up. It looks like all the other nano talons. I'm, I'm not sure if there's a, a difference there. Maybe a thousand millimeter wingspan. Maybe that's it. It's bigger. A nice, nice looking fixed wing plane though. I like a talon. But yeah, I guess support your local support your local hobbies. If you, if you've still got a store near you, then keep them in business. And there's 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 not many physical stores, but there's at least you know local web stores that are pretty competitive these days with China. I think we've all noticed that recently. That's there's no big saving. Yeah. How much tension do you put on your gimbals, Cole? Um, so I, I mean, I, I've been fiddling around with it a little bit here and there. Cause I wasn't really, when I first started out, obviously like I got a brand new radio, they were relatively tight. Um, so I went in and I, I loosened it up to see how it felt. 
and then I, I didn't really like it too loosey-goosey, so I, I uh, tightened them back up. I, I do prefer actually a tighter uh, tighter gimbal, just for some reason. it I don't know what it is, but it just feels better for me. Um, just kind of go in and you know tighten the, the tension on them, and that's the right term. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do prefer it to be tighter, like especially on the throttle. I like to like I don't like the throttle to be so loose that it just kind of flies off by itself. I do like to sort of feel a bit of resistance with it for some reason. Right. So uh, I had a post from Failsafe. Uh, he's been on the show before talking about bits and pieces. He had to change the screw on his gimbal hmm. because it seems he actually uh, he managed to snap it clean off. Oh, no. Um, so he clearly likes a lot of tension on his gimbals. Uh, yeah. I'm quite impressed by that. I don't, I've never heard anyone actually tensioning the gimbal so much that they scrap, they snap the <laughs> screw in half. That's, that's impressive. That's weird. well done, failsafe. Well done. Well, I'm loose, out on that radio, but I need to feel the, a slight ratchet. Oh, okay. It's super you, easy you, to move, but I can just feel like there's a there's a a little bit behind it. If you know what I mean. You like that little clickiness, eh? Mm, yeah. So I I experimented with that as well because uh, I was like the thing is I feel like when they're too loose, it might get out of place. You know, say say I'm really locked in on my throttle. Well, if it's too loose, I might, you know, go a little too much or a little too less and then either run into something or, or overshoot kind of thing. Uh, I did experiment with the ratcheted, uh, just a slight bit of ratchet on it. And I thought I liked it, but I don't know. I, I, I reverted back to the just the smooth tension uh, post to the throttle or the, the ratchet, I should say. I've flown someone's radio with a ratchet on, and I genuinely thought that the gimbal was broken. I was like, oh, you need to replace <laughs> these gimbals. They're worn out, man. They're completely screwed. It's like, oh, no, they're supposed to be like that. Well, actually, there was a, a group of uh, guys that, I, that I've flown with before, and um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys was like newer to, to flying and whatnot. He didn't even know that like, – basically, he didn't know that there was such thing as not ratcheted because his – radio came ratcheted and he didn't know anything else so basically the one day we were flying my other buddy like basically took apart his radio and you know fixed his gimbal and took the ratchet off and he was like whoa uh, he's like this is a whole new world yeah i i find i these days when i'm trying to hold those lines i i kind of just lift my hands off the sticks a little bit and just be like there that's nice i'll just leave it there for a second and let it carve through the air a bit and to try and avoid that feeling of constant adjustment that you get when you've just got a nice angle and you don't want it to wobble. Yeah. People are calling the ratchet idea very old school, which is, which is pretty much me, but I've got, I've got a lot of radios. Some are just smooth movement, but some, and, and I know what you say about ratcheting. It's like, literally, it's like, if I go to that, you can just move it that one position and you know, it's going to act very slightly differently than the previous position. And you can just leave it there, but go, go ahead. Let's, let's see the radio, Stephen. So I've got the worst radio in the world with two gimbals that are each worth more than the radio. Uh, I, I've got the yellow rubber ducky radio for those on audio, the T8SG V2. This is the plus version, and it came with Hall sensor gimbals, which I thought were jolly fancy. It's running Express LRS in the back. Um, but what I've done is I've put the CNC Alloy Radio Master AGO one mini gimbals in there um which are meant to go into a zorro 
but I thought, oh, what the heck? And I just shoved them in there and, uh, yeah, off to the races, which is quite a laugh. So, yeah, the gimbals are probably worth each more than the radio. I had to carve up the JR bay a little bit because the uh, tensioners are on the other side. <laughs> so there's a couple of slits cut in the JR bay for ease of action. Now I can actually adjust the gimbal tension uh, without taking ah. the radio apart. So you, you could call that a feature if you're being generous. Um, Dandy. Yeah, that's uh, my old, old radio that I learned on. And uh, it's now got a shot of... Uh, fancy alloy gimbals as well as being able to run express LRS at a thousand hertz when they finally drop that find See, I, I really amazing. like the uh i really like the school bus yellow color of it yeah <laughs> it's so stupid it's also got <laughs> an oled screen so let me just turn this on it, the screen is oled and it's yellow on black which is kind of unusual. <laughs> just to go I, it's a nice I, I think shady's coming yeah. with definition of more money than cent i think <laughs> Stephen gets very bored, and he has to yeah. he has to go and buy stuff relentlessly all month. And then he's like, "What shall I do tonight? I know, I'll put this into this." And here we come out with these strange little bills that he gets. I just love the radio. I mean, I, I've got a TX sixteen, and people say, "Oh, best radio Fs," and I just don't enjoy using it nearly as much as I enjoy that stupid yellow rubber ducky of a radio. It's <laughs> just fun to use. I would like. I would use it just based on the color. It looks great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it just makes me chuckle every time I switch it on. It's just such a a goofy looking little radio, but yeah. it works a treat. Yeah, I've never really. Um, like I, I use the Tango too, and I, I like that form factor. I've I've tried the TX16S and the some of the other Radio Master ones before, but I don't know. I just. I feel like it's too big in my hands and I have to really reach to get to a switch or there's a lot more throw on the gimbals compared to my tango gimbals. And I almost need to be sitting down with it in my lap to be mm. comfortable with it or have like a really heavy duty lanyard that will, you know, support Yeah, I it. went for the giant lanyard. I think I showed people before that I've got this guitar strap, nice thick strap that I converted to put on there to make it a bit more comfortable so it doesn't, you know, press down on the neck too much with a thin strap. Yeah. But you look at inside the TX16S, and I've I've opened mine up to put a Bluetooth receiver in there, and there's there's not a lot in there. It's a big shell of a radio, but you've got, I think, an extra pair of switches over the little T8SG, but not a lot. Color screen? Mm, sure, I guess. Not really using color screen. It's just, I don't... I don't find that there's enough to persuade me to use the TX16S. I think in time there will be, but the software hasn't caught up with what that radio can do. There's no real use for the color screen. It, it is, I mean, I have a I have a Tango 2. The screen is only like barely an inch squared, right? Like, mm. And it does everything I need it to do. I mean, as long as it arms and turtle modes and, uh, you know, air modes or whatever you want to say, like it's... It's perfect. Yeah, I have problems. <laughs> yeah, those both work yeah. just fine. Uh, I mean, no this, this is the thing. As, as far as screen goes, there's literally, it's setting up your model. Mm. And then, of course, when you're flying, goggles are on. So it's it's no good mm. having pretty pictures on the screen. Yeah. It's, it's only useful if you need to change something. And then I'm worried more about seeing it in the sunlight or... If I've lost it and I'm looking at my, I might look at my GPS telemetry or my signal strength to like where's where's my quad gone. 
yeah. and that's about it. Other than that, the screen might as well be off all the time. Yeah, flying. I must admit, I have VBAT on there, and yeah. I have like uh, current statistics, so I can just look at the end of the flight, and because I don't get the screen at the end with DJI, so I have like my low battery and high current water marks, just so I can check them on the radio. But other than that, not really anything. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Yeah, actually, uh, I did have to set up my... Um, so my first quad didn't have OSD. It didn't even have like an OSD board or anything on it. Uh, so my camera, my, my run cam was basically... I had to get VBAT from like the PDB, I guess. Uh, so I had to t- put a switch. I basically did a logical switch where my radio would tell me what my... Well, okay, so basically the, the camera, I crashed and then the... The OSD with the VBAT stopped updating, so I had to assign a logical switch in order for my my um, my radio would tell me my battery level. It would just call out my battery level to me. So that was, that's one of my other uses on the Tango. Yeah, so that was weird. That's got to be a bit terrifying when you're trying to freestyle. Like, well, can you I know pull what? out of this or not? It was, it was, and I was I was kind of like, okay, I'm not gonna fly until I can see what my battery level is in my goggles. But then I was like, well, I still want to fly. Okay, I can press a button. Although me pressing that button did actually cause me some crashes because I was in this like, um, basically it was like a, a train station that wasn't fully like functional yet. And it was like the parking garage area. Well, I like I did a little trick or whatever, punched out and tried to like recover, but I wanted to check my, my battery level. Well, that split second of me not paying attention to my sticks and more paying attention to pressing that button, I lost a bit of control and crashed into a railing. And I was like, oh, great. So, but I've, I've since mitigated that issue and I now have. You since have yeah. a flight controller with an OSD now, or are you still? Uh, well, I have, uh, I, got, I have a Wolf PDB that tells me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yeah. someone must be using KISS. Yep. Yeah. 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 <sighs> Uh-huh. I'm a kiss boy. Yeah. I, I've got <laughs> one of my slight issues that I've only done about four times now is I don't fly with air mode always on because I, I want to have air mode off when I come down to landing because I want to drop throttle and have the prop stop. And about four or five times, I've clicked the wrong switch and disarmed it midair huh. instead of bringing it out of air mode. And it's just like clunk. Ah, wrong button. Okay. Yeah. I should go and sort that out. Yeah, that's uh, it's not well, it's not fun. Yeah, especially if you're like ten feet off the air and you come crashing down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, normally I fly just in the field and there's reasonably long grass, so it's not usually a problem. But it, yep. it can be annoying. The worst, the worst disarm thing I had midair is when this is how old it was. I used to do stick arming back in the day, uh, which was right stick down to the no, left stick down to left and something to do with that one, and. What yeah. I did, I, I, I that's why no one used quad- to do trippy spins. I flipped my quad <laughs> upside down, and I lowered the throttle, and and I was just letting it sort of fall, and basically it's like, oh, I'm disarming because you've you've 
put your throttle down for this long. Therefore, you must you must have landed. And it was back in the day when you didn't you had to be like ten degrees to to, to level to arm. So I couldn't rearm it, and I just watched it for about fifteen <laughs> seconds, fall down and down and down and down and splat, and and wow. broke a camera. That was a weird one. Yeah, I remember the panicked, like, FR Sky, no RX message, like, what, why, how, quick, flick, 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 <laughs> try and you know, throttle down, disarm, arm, throttle up. It's not fun. No. Well, I, I remember when I first started out, um, like, my first couple of flights, I would, like, I would freak out, and then I would have this instinct to disarm, like, immediately, even though I was, like, 50 feet in the air, and... I would always try to recover from a disarm in the air and it just never worked. I just, I could never, like, I would try to rearm, make sure the, you know, the throttle's all the way down, but I just come crashing right down. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting enough, just, I don't know if you guys have tried it, just if you fly without air mode and you're just flying along and you put the throttle down, how quickly your quad will just spin completely out of control and, uh, and, and start spiraling and, Re refrottling quickly is is interesting just to uh, yeah. just to let to it fail and come back without air mode to do 3D stuff because they recommend you you don't do air mode if you're doing 3D I think so you get smoother transitions. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess maybe you guys can shine some light on this for me. But what is like? Uh, excuse my ignorance, but what's the difference between idle up and air mode? Idle up gives you a minimum RPM, right? Oh, so okay, okay. So instead of like a thousand, it's like ten fifty or something. But right? so does air mode, doesn't it? And they still react. Someone asked me this question earlier. They said, "What's the difference between air, air mode, mode?" Actually, and- when you tr- when you try and input your controls, it actually like effectively ups your throttle by itself. It it doesn't keep it as st- it keeps it at a non stall value. But when you try and do stuff, it goes above the stall value because that's how you get your jumps. You know, if you do, but so oh, does your yes. moves. Yeah. But so does um, the, the the pit loop keeps running, and so if if it loses, if if the attitude is not what it expects to be, then it still increases the throttle to do things against that, doesn't it? So I couldn't I couldn't come up with a proper explanation of the difference between like air mode. I thought having something like the old fashioned idle up or having um, spin props when armed, it all seems. I thought to be idle up was the same like thing just a floor on your throttle you couldn't go below it and when you applied no throttle but did pitch and roll it was using that amount of throttle to enact pitch and roll whereas i thought that air mode um, you have a minimum throttle but the throttle is effectively there just to stop the motor from uh from stalling out so and you set the throttle with air mode to a level where the motor is capable of talking itself up to speed as quickly as possible and you can lower that if you want to sort out your hang time and stuff, right? But when you, you have air mode on and it can't move fast enough, I thought it's actually going to increase the motor speed beyond that floor, whereas idle up is going to keep the motors at that floor and just vector oh, I'm not convinced that it does. I, I think, as far as I can tell, and this is just like holding it in my hand and trying stuff, I mm. couldn't determine a difference between all three of them. The the only thing I, I said to people is use air mode because that seems to be the most accepted way of doing this sort of stuff. Whereas mm. idle up was like mm. what people used before air mode. Well, air mode's just like a primitive way of getting the same thing. It's kind of just very 
old school. Yeah, just so, just just an addendum there. The new way is not to set minimum throttle, but to set a minimum RPM. So you use your RPM telemetry to say, I don't want my motors to go below this RPM value. So instead of pegging the throttle at, say, 4% or whatever it is, you say, I need at least 2,000 RPM. Um, if my motors are above 2,000 RPM, I can smoothly increase throttle without jerking, without potentially getting a desync. And so that, that that's the new approach, to go by RPM instead of go by throttle value. Uh, well, that's not helpful. I don't know how fast they're spinning. <laughs> you just, am I you supposed to on. count? One, you're two, you're, you're definitely iron. faster than two. Hang on, Dudorino. I've got a little chart. I've got a little chart somewhere that tells you all oh, of this, Bobbins. I've got a chart. Because I well, can't one, remember this either. Well, one thing that I noticed too is like when I, because I have basically two switches for like, you know, idle up and then arm. But when I'm in that idle up or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really fight me. So I guess the, does that mean that the PID's not active then? The PID loop should be active because essentially you're, you're saying I am at this throttle. So yeah. if, you, if you then move the, quad if there was no input it would fight against that and try and stabilize its its attitude to where it thought it should be yeah oh thank goodness so if you can't be sharp. bothered to actually figure out your rpm and worry about whether it's good or bad there's some rough guidelines i think it's off a chris rosser video or something but i've just had it in my uh, my notes for ages and you can use those values to set your um your d shot uh, dynamic idle and you if you've got a high pitch prop, say you're running a five inch on a like a, a, a five one four three, that's a, a steep pitch prop. You put it around forty. If you're running like a a fifty one thirty, that's a low pitch prop. You'll be down near a twenty. Uh, and it, it basically says that if you've got a steeper pitch prop, it's more likely to to have that stall characteristic. Uh, it's got a a sharper angle of attack, and it stalls at uh, a lower RP. It stalls at a higher RPM. So you've got to be over the RPM when it it kind of stops acting like an aerofile and just becomes like an air slapper. You want to keep it going at that speed to get to avoid stalling and then going out of stall and then stalling and going out of stall. Because when you make that transition from stalled airflow to going out of stall, it just jerks you around and it's rough. Ooh. That's the idea. Mm. So, well, talking of Betaflight, as we were just before, using mm. your insider knowledge, Betaflight mm. 4.3 has been in release candidacy since January. And eight days ago, they said release candidate 7. It should be the last one and we should have it out within the week. What's going on? Why isn't it here? Because I want them to get it on with 4.4 because 4.4 right. includes the enhancements. So, there was the rescue mode. So, rescue mode becomes a proper RTH mode. You know how when you write software and you think everything's good and it inevitably turns out that you just forgot to look at the bad parts? Uh, that may have happened a little bit. There was a bug where someone noticed that uh, when they enabled GPS rescue, it was not good. Mm. Not good at all. Decidedly bad. Like, didn't so much rescue as just ditch no one wants that. That's one of the features so that of GPS fixed, Rescue. That was fixed with RC7, but in order to fix that, they had to open up the can of worms that is the beta flight GPS Rescue mode, which apparently changes flight modes. It changes the, the hold values for your RX channels. It does 
a whole bunch of stuff which has been in there since version 3.x and no one's reviewed it in a long time and i think chris thompson dived in there and he started to to review it and made a lot of changes uh, and and that is why everyone's being a little bit cautious because they want to be sure that it's not worse than it is than it used to be he's released a video uh, he's got the work split into the make sure GPS rescue doesn't just ditch you. And then there's a larger change that's coming in where, oh my God, this is a simplified GPS rescue where he's cut out all the old craft code. And now it just disarms cleanly and lands within the same kind of two meter landing zone as you took off and doesn't torpedo into your head like a guided missile or anything. And he's got a video on YouTube, which is quite nice, where he he shows repeated tests you know bungs it out to 100 yards hits the rescue and it comes back and you see where it lands and he draws a little circle around it in the video and he just does it again and again and again and it looks pretty consistent but the the trouble here is that not a lot of people have been testing 4.3 people have been waiting until it's official and the trouble is with software that controls real world things like beta flight you can't really do automated testing on it you need people to test it so with only a few race pilots running the the nightly builds on 4.3, there there weren't a lot of people testing it. So some of the stuff that race pilots don't use, like GPS return to home, like the the brand new flight controllers uh, with H7, like, for example, the all-in-one whoop boards, which were getting really stuck on CPU, um, a lot of that stuff just wasn't tested and that's why it's had to, to go through so many RCs. So I'd encourage people, if you've got a quad you're not so worried about, basic F4, just bung a nightly build on it once in a while, trot it around the place. People don't break disarm, but it doesn't hurt just to, to thrash it around a bit and see what it flies like. And don't be so attached to, is is it a final version? Isn't it a final version? A release tag is an arbitrary name given to code at a specific point in time by people who have judged it and say, this is ready, this isn't ready. It's just like, you know, do we sell this bottle of wine or do we keep it in the cellar a while longer? You know, is it is it ready? Well, that's just a value judgment at the end of the day. And we get that oh, value oh, yeah, judgment as, by having as, people. As we were discussing earlier, both, both myself and Stephen have, have worked on software that has been released to the good and great public. And one of the things that our companies didn't do was ever release something was like 5.0. They're like, oh, don't. Don't ever do 5.0. Yeah. Do 5.2 or 5.1. Mm-hmm. I think you, you had 1.3. You jumped three mm-hmm. generations, even though it was 0.7 or something. Yeah, they didn't want us to release a 1.0 or indeed something that was technically earlier than a 1.0. They wanted us to be release a 1. Point something where that something had to be a number greater than zero. So, so that I think that is the problem. It's a psychology thing. I think what Be the Flight could do mm. with is some sort of a call to action, asking for help of the community, because everybody talks about um, how you know they like to support the community. This is one of the ways you can do it, just by testing it out. And if there's a problem, yeah, report it back and say there's a problem. Yeah, what, you don't what need to suffer in works? silence. Are they supposed are to quite... do something if it works? Well, is there's there a, a Beta Flight Discord. Page? As a beta flight yeah. Discord, you can jump in and say, I've been flying this RC, blah, blah, blah. I think it's great. It's all good. It's it's This feature's working great. I flew it on this flight controller and with this receiver and this blah, 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 and, it, and it's all good. Uh, no one would complain if you were to do that, certainly. 
that's helpful information and feedback. And I'll just pop the Discord over in the chat here. Um, there's there's a, a Slack server as well. That tends to be more programmers, but just general pilot chatter in the Betaflight Discord. It's a good place to go. And if you've got any issues, if you're concerned that something isn't working or you're worried about changes that might be coming up in a new version, then it's a great place to ask. There you yeah. go. So give it a go if you've got a quad you don't care about too much. Especially you know, if you're I, testing I, at GPS <laughs> Rescue. None of this is due to beta flight. This is all pilot error, I should say. I was waving this around. I, I got the nice Umagod super fancy frame. It's all pretty. It's got oh. the most awkward camera cage in the world, but it looks beautiful. They've, they've put a camera cage on, which actually locks the top plate on. So once you put the camera cage on, you can't take the top plate off until you take all the bolts out of the camera cage and then slide the camera cage off, and it's in more parts than you might think. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I had a little bit of a uh, <clears throat> tuning issue, and it, it oscillated, tried to fly to the moon, and landed, and then I'd I done a, one of them. Um, so I was a little bit sad. After having seen videos of this repeatedly flown into things at high speed, I thought it would be a bit stronger, but it is not, and there are no arms available which is a bummer. So I've been talking to someone who uh, is making alternate arms for it, make them a bit thicker for people that are fatties and aren't obsessed with being under 250 grams. So I might get some slightly fatter arms and proof against damage a bit more. So I, I had one other thing I was going to mention, and that is about Velocidrone. People fly a Velocidrone? What I noticed here, and... Um, Ashley Davis, who's who's like lead developer of Velocidrone, is talking about going to IO and he said, I'll have this with me. And it's basically a tablet with Velocidrone running on it. So they've developed a mobile version. I like to think that uh, Velocidrone kind of watch what I do on my sim and then get inspired by that in, in some ways. In, in Various things have popped up there that I thought, well, I thought I did that first. But the most interesting thing about this is um, any iOS users will know that you can't simply plug a radio into your iPhone or your iPad because Apple lock you out with their MFI certification, made for iOS, that stands for. And it's some sort of hardware regulation and it basically won't allow Bluetooth joysticks or USB joysticks or anything unless it's part of this MFI mm. spec. And um, what he said in this little release is, we found a way around it and uh, our mobile version will work with regular OpenTX or HTX radios. And I've been trying to work out what he's, what he's done, and I haven't worked out yet. I thought, because he can't use Bluetooth, he can't use USB, I thought he must be using the audio. He's using the trainer cable, and he's reading the audio, and he's reading the PPM stream, and he's getting it from there. But I've tried to replicate it, and I can't, I can't make it happen, at least in Unity. I can't I can't generate a waveform. So I can't figure it out. Hmm. Oh, and failsafe failsafe crushes me by saying it's going to be awesome to have a good mobile, a good sim on mobile. It's like you already do. This is just another good sim on mobile. <laughs> Very dare you. But but that'd be interesting. I mean, when he puts it out there, hopefully it'll be obvious what he's doing and like I know as well I spoke to Orca and I I, I asked him about if their radio because they bought out the, I think it's the Orca One. They literally bought it out and said, oh, this would be working with our Sims and stuff. They haven't got it working on iOS. And there's Have a bunch seen... of people that would love 
to to know what they're doing and copy it basically have you so seen orca's bluetooth add-on you can get a no. bluetooth uh module that goes in your open tx radio i think it's does, like does it work 30... on ios though no but it, it's 30 <laughs> euros and the express lrs module that also has bluetooth is cheaper than the orca only bluetooth option <laughs> i wonder how many they're selling funny bunch yeah so i uh, yeah i don't know what they're doing but um I asked him the question directly on Facebook. I said, how intriguing is using audio? And he says, no, but I can't figure out what he's doing. He's using magic. You thought he might have hacked the accessibility stuff and squeaked in where they've got a bit there's, more leeway. Yeah. So in iOS, there's accessibility stuff. So if um, if you've got any sort of disabilities, you know, there's also special things. So if you've got like, you know, problems with your mobility of hands, then you've got sort of special interfaces like great big joysticks and things, you can like nod or make noises and it will operate the iPhone for you. And that is slightly less regulated than Bluetooth uh, mm. in, in terms of when you put a Bluetooth controller on, it's like, do we do we recognize this as a game controller? No, it's not Xbox controller, it's not a PS4 controller, get out of here. But I've noticed their, their leniency towards accessibility devices and I saw some workarounds where other people have put YouTube videos out where they've managed to get joysticks working by going into accessibility, adding a Bluetooth device, and then going back and it suddenly appears as a game controller, which it wouldn't before. But he's, I, I don't know if he's suggesting that's Bluetooth because that is something they could easily cut out. Um, I think one of the problems with iOS is that there's kind of a forced update in terms that if you're a developer and you're putting things onto the app store then apple make you use the very latest version of the um the api and the latest mm. version of um, mac os to build it which means they're always getting their fixes in so any hole yeah. that may have produced they can close off and you're kind of forced into just going As google has like a there. sliding window don't they where they they slowly remove the old versions but you can release an app with an older API instead of the, the yeah you one. can go like one or two before but they mm. they uh, I mean Android keep changing the way they package apps as well which is a pain in the butt yeah. you have to do, do you think the Velocidrone guys maybe went over there with a brown paper envelope full of twenties and just passed them to Tim Cook with a bit of nod and a <laughs> wink got a mate got a mate I don't think they've got enough money for that could be quite a small envelope it's all in the wink. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, that's something to look forward to. We'll see what happens there. And, uh, you know, more more things on mobiles, the better. It means you can just, when you're zoning out at work or, you know, someone's talking to you and they're boring you, you just be like, yep, yep. And you can just get on with uh, ripping some cords. Well, I guess this is drone droid is maybe an American guy, gal. So UK is banning the iPhone unless it conforms to USB-C. Uh, no, that's, a, that's an EU spec. The, the EU has EU... said we're, we're sick of all these billions of different charger cables which just end up in the bin. So we're going to enforce a single plug for charging your phone, which means the iPhone is forced to adopt USB-C um, to avoid being... Uh, not eligible for sale in the EU, which is nice, I think. Like, yeah, no I think everything really likes the lightning cable. No, it's annoying. I, I think that everything is basically USB C nowadays, other than 
Mm. You know, well, I guess it's the only one in Apple's portfolio that isn't. It's it's the odd one out. Yeah, I mean, I guess like eventually, I hopefully maybe USB C will become like the the bog standard. But I don't know. It's it is what it is. I guess <laughs> it's always the standard until the next one comes along, and then it's like, why yeah. are you not USB D? Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> odd that you've different. got this ecosystem where you can charge your 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 MacBook and your iPad, and I think even does the pencil have a plug that's USB C or is the pencil magnetically charged? Uh, so th- no, so well, I used to work at Best Buy, so I should know this. Uh, so I think the older uh, pencil was Lightning, and okay. the other, the second one, I believe, is the magnetic top uh, okay. chargey thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember the original iPod, as they used to call it, the the thirty pin connector. That yeah. that was, yeah, it was a liability. The amount of ways that that could get clogged out of this world. Yeah. You still stay in hotels where they've got like speakers with the iPod connector, and I think, well, wow, how Sign long have they the had times. that for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just plug my phone into this alarm clock. Wait a minute, what nerve that? <laughs> so, our, oh, I guess annoying. my. It looks like we are running short on time here, but I'm wondering if. Um, so, did, did you guys happen to see the latest Umagod video that he just put out about his frame? Yes. Yes. So, long story short, we had Tommy on a couple weeks ago now, and uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, Jack actually. Uh, Jack made him the Dug a Dive shirt, sent it off to him, and yeah, he gave uh, LDO a nice little shout out on, uh, on his newest video, which was pretty cool. Kudos to Jack. Great work, Jack. It's looking awesome. Great work. Yeah, great in the shirt. shirt. And yeah. hopefully, uh, if you're watching this from a, a bed recuperating somewhere, you can uh, be happy in the knowledge that your artistic work has been viewed by the masses. Good job, mate. Yeah. And enjoy the bed bath. Yes. And get get well soon and a uh, and, uh, quick road to recovery, I guess, yeah. Get well soon, Jack. And- on that note thanks once again for watching even though it was just us three and uh, we miss our other our other friends and companions but hopefully they'll be back soon um and you have been listening to let's turn out episode 354 thank you for labeling those Cole. it's much more helpful and yeah, no with us today the lovely steven complete with his thank mustache. you everyone thanks to our wonderful patreons have have a good week, everyone. thank you to carl all the way from canada no problem. And thanks Cole's for having cat. me and and my cat. Yes, and uh, yeah, yeah, like I just want to say thanks to all the Patreons too. It it, uh, it really helps to keep the show going. And uh, if you can, you know, spare a couple bucks to help us out, it's uh, you know it goes a long way. So uh, link should be in the description and whatnot. And yeah, I guess uh, see you guys next week. Indeed. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to pay someone to edit this because there's there's a lot of us talking nonsense, swearing and dead air and someone has to edit it and put it in nicely for an audio podcast which you can then uh, download. I've been Kerry Kitten. Goodbye everybody. We'll be back next week 8 o'clock. Join us live here on YouTube. Catch you later. Telemetry lost.